Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
Exactly. We three had to is just not because as easy. It's, it's, yeah, because your table's going to fall over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so. The roof of the Parthenon's going to crumble because it needs more pillars. You always need a fourth. It's exactly. far more stable. Exactly. That's, yeah. Engineering, architecture? I don't know. Symmetry? So exploration, isn't that the first pillar? Exploration is the first pillar, Josh. You're absolutely correct. So exploration. When your character is delving through a dungeon and jumping over pit traps and climbing walls and and swimming through flowing rivers and avoiding hurricanes. Right, and tapping on the wall to find the... Tapping on the yeah. wall with a 10-foot pole to find a trap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exploration. That's one part of the game. Yep. Um, the second pillar of play is role play. That's where your bard at the table who wants to role play every single food order in that tavern and haggle for the prices on every copper piece for every mm-hmm. beer. Not blaming anyone in particular for that. Right, exactly. Um, so... in. You know, I think probably, especially if you're the person who stumbled into this podcast and don't really know what Dungeons and Dragon is, Dungeons and Dragons is, <clears throat> roleplay can be one of the more intimidating aspects. Absolutely. If, if not the most, mm-hmm. right? For um, dungeon masters and players. Right. So um, in our regular game, um, my wife plays and regularly says, I say something you know, convincing. I love it. I say something appropriately, appropriately inspiring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and that's all you need to do. However, you would be surprised over the, uh, you know, as you play, you'll be surprised at how much character you can actually still develop mm-hmm. just by doing stuff yep. like that. You yep. don't need to. I, the other one I think of for her was um, Yes, Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. When she was yeah. disguised as a guard. Yes, ma'am. So understand that role play, easily the most intimidating part, not necessary. Yep. Um, you don't need to do silly voices. You don't I'm, need to do fun accents. In some cases, I would prefer if some people didn't. <laughs> true. Uh, true. Yeah. It can be that um, way. And um, I know our friend Ben mm-hmm. um, also does Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pathfinder, very similar to Dungeons & Dragons. Um, and when he does a lot of those, most people he deals with also do the I Say Something Adequately Inspiring um, and we're probably spending more time on role play than needed, but that's the one that easily puts people. Sure. That is, I think that that's probably the most daunting pillar. Yeah. Understand that role play is kind of like when you go to the karaoke bar, you don't need to sing. Mm-hmm. You can just go there and enjoy being there. Yeah. Don't, don't avoid the karaoke bar just cause you don't want to get up and sing. <laughs> right. So, and same thing. Don't, don't avoid this just cause you don't want to role play. I don't know how, I mean, we are, our other game I do better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the second pillar is the most intimidating. Absolutely. Um, so maybe we could almost make it the first. Yeah, <laughs> because, we probably should. So yeah. go back. Let's scratch yep. that, everybody. Pretend yep. you didn't hear that first part. The first part, pillar of play, ladies is and gentlemen, role play. is role play. The most intimidating pillar. Yeah, exactly. But enough of that. Yeah. The second one is exploration. Yep. And the third pillar of play as described in Dungeons and Dragons is combat. Absolutely. Probably the most popular pillar. Yeah, the part you look forward to most or dread yeah. depending on how much you enjoy role play. Well, and some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some people I know who, I mean, I know plenty of people who would be disappointed playing a four hour Dungeons and Dragons session and never having a, a bit of combat. Right. Um, I know that when I run our game, mm-hmm. I try to incorporate combat into some of them, but we have had several games where no combat happens and that can still be fun and exciting. And hopefully it's still fun and exciting and everyone's not just blowing smoke up my Yeah. I would think, I, so. yeah, I would think if you have the right group, it's, it's fun and exciting. Exactly. You know, it, there's a lot to be said for just, what did we do? Mm-hmm. You know, we do have, you know, you know, you're gonna, we've run into those where we sure. just planned the whole time and done nothing. Um, 
Yeah, analysis paralysis is, is not a fun. big part of it. We yeah. could cover that, I'm sure, yeah. at some point. I'm sure that there's probably that be a whole separate if you're, Again, episode. you're coming to us from episode 402, so yeah, yeah. we've already had several we've like award-winning covered. episodes yeah, we've on analysis paralysis. Completely done to death, <laughs> done to death. And there was the, the 25th anniversary episode. Absolutely. Which we really went back over it yeah. and uh, remastered it, did it Oh, in and detail. such great guest stars. Like, yep. you know, we had all the Critical Role staff and everybody. Yep. Uh, Joe Magnolia. Yep, exactly. Magnolia. Magnolio. Magnolio. Joe Magnolio. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Sofia Vergara. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, but something all these these pillars sort of um, I mean, they've evolved from Dungeons and Dragons as the game has evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, first edition was more about like overland exploration, fighting room to room. You right. know, the exploration could amount to rocks fall, everyone dies, and you know, Tomb of Horrors. Um, eventually, up through uh, I mean, the most unique one being fourth edition, where it tried to turn every kind of encounter into a combat-style encounter. Right, because for, yeah. the, the roots of the game initially were for uh, war gamers, miniature war gamers, mm-hmm. who I, I can only imagine were uh, drinking, a f- having a few, maybe smoking a bowl or two, and they feel like, wouldn't it be weird if we did a game where we were just one of these soldiers, man? Right, That's and not, literally and the not a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah. not a hundred of them. I'm which not a is, platoon, I'm one elf. Yeah. And back then it was... Chainmail was the first, yeah, you know, and that's but why you had to buy the separate game for the overland travel, right? Which and I forget the name of it, but yeah, yeah, the separate, yeah, and and I think at at that point was, you know, combat, though it mattered, seemed secondary, mm-hmm. at least from everything I've ever read and seen. I certainly haven't gotten my hands on one. I mean, by now I have the four hundredth episode. I have the collector's edition. Absolutely, you know, they're mounted in our and, studio. Exactly, we have the original one. Exactly, Gary yes. Gygax's fingers are all over them. Exactly, yeah. there's there's DNA there. Yeah. Um, Sounds wrong. So, <laughs> uh, so ultimately, bringing us back to our idea, the fourth pillar of play. So, exploration, role play, combat. Do you know what all three of those have in common? Uh, no, no, Kellen. What do they have? In common? <laughs> yeah, there's like that softball. Sorry yeah. about that. They're all for the player. Right. They're things that the dungeon master sets up for the player, and then the players go through. Super fun for me as a dungeon master. Right. I love that. Yeah. The fourth pillar of play is for the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Role play, combat, exploration. The fourth pillar of play, ladies and gentlemen, is design, creation, writing your own stuff. And just like all those other pillars of play, it's optional. You can run a game with no role play. You can run a game with no exploration. You could technically run a game with no combat. Uh, The most recent, if you're again coming to us from episode 402, (laughs) um, the most recent Wizards of the Coast campaign release hardback was uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Mm -hmm. And... um, Radiant Citadel, notwithstanding. Radiant Citadel has that. Oh yeah, no, but that's that's a collection of oh, adventures. Yes, that's true. not a campaign. And which, like, I assume you're going to reference how it can be apparently be played without combat. And that's exactly what I'm going for. Is that yeah. Wild Beyond the Witchlight? The whole premise was here's a campaign that you can go through from soup to nuts, um, from level one to level eleven or whatever, without ever ever rolling initiative. Right. Um, so that sounds interesting to me. I don't know if that's what I would like to play. Right. But it's, that's showing how the, the pillars are optional. Right. Just like that, the design pillar is optional. You're running a game, and by now, yeah. you're running 700 games at this right. point, probably in the future. Right. Um, you don't have to design stuff. You can right. reskin a monster in the monster manual. You can just like come up with a cool story and post it on Reddit. Or you can go all the way up through, I want to design something and Kickstarter it and sell it on DriveThruRPG. Totally. So 
all well, of the pillars are optional to a certain extent, and you can engage with them as much or as little as you want. Right, because I mean, you could we could literally, you know, whether you picked out of a picked up a book right now, it wouldn't even matter. You could literally just say, you know, four adventurers walk into a bar, mm-hmm. walk into a tavern, and a guy bumps into them and drops a map, and this map takes them to you know X. And they walk around the tomb and they just fight stuff where you can just flip the book open and close. You you know, the design element is technically optional. Yeah. However, it's fun to be far more engaging. Yeah. You know, and, and to make it, you know, again, depending on how your players play, there are definitely people that play like it's a board game. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is less of a commitment. And I think if you want a more of a committed group, the design is of is as important a pillar as role play. Absolutely. I I know that as I've been DMing more and more and over longer periods of time, the idea of designing and writing my own material and creating my own monsters and things has been a driving force. It's the, you know, the thing that I think about in the middle of the night. And that's sort of what led me to this idea of the fourth pillar of play. Um, however, I don't know about you in the future, you or mm-hmm. the current you, yeah. but I know current us, yeah. we are not professional game designers. No. No, I am a professional English teacher who runs a library in a middle school. And I am a network administrator in the same school. But yes. I can tell you, coming at it from an educator's standpoint, I can tell you that the best way to learn something is to do it. Sure. Is to throw yourself in and start fiddling with it. Get mm-hmm. feedback. Get it. Like I taught grammar in high school for 10 years. And every year I taught grammar. I was an English major. So I took advanced grammar and usage in college. It's horrible. Um, And then as a high school English teacher, I would teach grammar to my students every year. Not, don't really recommend teaching grammar by itself, but whatever. It was the early aughts. Um, And every year I learned my grammar better from planning to teach the grammar to the students than I ever learned it from my advanced grammar and usage class in college. Right. Every year. I then subsequently would forget it over the summer and then have to relearn it year after year. But notwithstanding, that process of planning, creating the lessons, and delivering them is what taught me grammar every year. And by the mm-hmm. end of that unit, I was a pro. Sure. My students, not so much. Right. But- well, and, you know, um, me as far as and any of the computer stuff, that's all self-taught. Yeah. Um, and in my previous job and the previous life that I had, I would train you know, new guys that had just come out of college with IT degrees mm-hmm. and very quickly found, oh, you have to throw all that away. You know, you've, you've learned a lot of theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you start doing, you know, and, and I had to make them comfortable with just do it. Just do it because you're never, you know, none of your training got you ready for analysis paralysis. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to learn how to design for games. We want to learn to be game designers yeah. which we need to learn means we need to learn how to create all this stuff that builds up an amazing campaign setting or an amazing adventure path right um we have to learn how to design monsters magic items classes and subclasses spells races or lineages settings and game mechanics now this comes at an interesting time for those of you again coming from the future mm-hmm. um because wizards has just recently put out the play tests for one D&D. Yes. Name pending. Our future listeners know exactly what it's called at this point. Yeah. yeah. But um, the... So they're currently in the process of redesigning Dungeons and Dragons, but also making it still compatible with what's been around since 5th edition first came out. Right. I I think... My guess, my assumption is that they want to kind of remove that um, wall. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a bit of a wall for people, you know, because yeah. it's like, well, you know, look, how many how many fifth edition books do you and I have? A shameful amount. We have a ton. Yeah, right. And we just buy them and mostly they sit there and we and pick they're them so up heavy. And look at them on a rainy day. They do. You they're know. very fun to look at. They're I so, love looking. They're at so pretty. They're beautiful. So, so however, that's an upfront, that's an upfront, you know, investment. And that's a, that's a lot of money we've put into it. And if all of a sudden they come in with, you know, version six and all those books don't mean squat. <sighs> yeah, exactly. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm having ex- palpitations. <laughs> exactly. But from, you know, uh, from a standardized consumer, if you want to get more than just the geeks and the nerds or whatever, you know, the geeks and the nerds will keep buying it. We sure. know that they will keep buying it because the Star Wars prequels were successful. I think it's very, very poignant to point out that fifth yeah. edition was not just popular with the geeks and nerds yeah. because it saw the most exponential growth in the hobby since right. its inception. Exactly. During fifth edition, which also, the most popular version of the game ever. Yeah. Which also creates an obvious incentive to not, lose all that and you could mm-hmm. you could very easily go well, what the hell i watched stranger things and why not i bought D. i started to get into it with my friends and i did this and now i have to learn something new yeah you know it, and so I, I think it's really smart what they've done to try to consult it's going to be hard it's an undertaking yeah and i do think it's funny because they're coming they're coming a little bit after the ball on that because there's been several other third-party publishers who have already doing something similar one of the things we're going to reference several times probably especially as we start with monsters is going to be um, the Advanced Level Up 5e by EN Publishing. Mm-hmm. I know you're um, a huge fan of I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. They took Dungeons & Dragons and they they basically tweaked it. They mm-hmm. tweaked it to make it better. It's completely compatible with 5th edition. I use it in our game all the time. Yep. Um, and uh, honestly, the monster design chapter in their monster book, which is by um, a guy uh, who writes a great blog uh, called The Blog of Holding, uh, we'll be talking about that more in depth in the actual episodes. Uh, I think he's a genius when it comes to his process for designing a monster. And I think right. you're, you know, unless there's a really compelling reason to do it in a different way, I think it's a great way to approach it. Hmm. So that's what I'm kind of hoping that we can throw into ourselves. So, Josh, why don't you talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing on a week-to-week basis? Well, um, well, we're working toward... Okay. Give me a minute. I was I was ahead on our script. Oh no, <laughs> I was not in the right spot. Okay, so um, <clears throat> so every week we're going to work towards various design elements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll discuss the theory behind whatever we're designing. So say we're you know doing monster, right? Is it an evolved monster? Is it an evolved monster? Is this a monster that exists because of something in the environment? Is it you know whatever happens to go through our our minds at the time? We're going to do our best to make it off the cuff i think yeah i try think that's to make, the plan yeah that's for so that you have the an listener, authentic conversation yeah yeah you the listener can hear the back and forth that we have you know you're just sitting in the other chair right there is mm-hmm. the general idea um we're going to obviously reference back to various articles resources things that we we utilized right. uh in preparation for up to that week essay theories and things like that yeah, yeah. um we're desk we're going to be discussing playtest data well, I figure eventually. Is right. that is that ambitious of me well, to no. assume? Well, again, this is episode four hundred for that. Exactly. You know, this um, is an anniversary remastered edition episode. Uh, absolutely. So, right. um, so we'll be you know, the idea being that once we've designed something, we will be able to take a look at it and talk, maybe do an episode on how it played. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what I. That's what I meant by that. Note. Okay. Sorry. So that's the big one. No, I now I follow. Okay. So yes, absolutely. I mean, the ultimate goal here would be, would be that we are going to create, at the very least, setting monster unique class mm-hmm. weapon and then give it over to friends 
And, and I like the idea of we just let them play. We record the session and we literally comment on it, like yeah. the old DVD, DVD, DVD commentaries of old. Yeah, exactly. And um, you all know this anyway because you watch it every week on our Twitch stream and have seen obviously. our live productions at Absolutely. Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They brought so. us right in. Even though you know, Gen Con is now, uh, it's no longer in Indiana. No, right. They've, they've moved, moved it. They've moved to, to Syracuse. To Syracuse. Absolutely. Because we're here. Because we're so here in Syracuse. Figured, why York. not? Yeah. <laughs> so um, all, our, all our orange fans are out there being really. We now, since we have obviously Gen Con here in Syracuse, now we know the get to share our annoyance with all the sports fans that yeah. we feel when the sports people gather up for the <laughs> things at the Dome. Um, <laughs> and I think ultimately we want to work towards building our own campaign world. Right, uh, for sure. Why not? At As you all one. know from having bought it already on the Kickstarter in the future. Right. And, you know, also I know that, you know, we had always discussed not sticking strictly to D&D. Absolutely. There's obviously Pathfinder, which mm-hmm. is a more robust character creation process. Um, more Translation. Mechanic- yeah. More mechanically heavy. Yes. Um, I played 3.5. So I that's like when I looked at those Pathfinder D&D books. 3.5, yeah. I played Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. And so when that first came out, we jokingly called it 3.75. And now I think it's evolved even past that. So I haven't looked at second edition Well, now I know that they're taking from each other. Yes, um, which can only really benefit the yeah, both. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, but there homogeneity, are other homogeneity, homogeneity, hegemony, hegemony yeah. is is, and you get the unfiltered, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to go back and edit that. No, um, is ultimately a bane. And and yeah, yeah, for so, sure. And then, um, but there, you know, there are so many other books that we're hoping to explore at some point. So many other systems, mm-hmm. the cipher. So what was the one we saw the other day that we liked? Um, um, fate. No, it was the Nordic. Oh yeah, it was like a Nordic Cthulhu one, and then there was the one that Danish, yes. the Danish one that's the kids on bikes kind of thing. Oh man, now I'm I'm flaking on the name of it, but you know we will reference it in another episode. You know, I'm sure we definitely have people down for a call of Cthulhu. When I did D and D second edition, well, I did Dungeons and Dragons, and it was advanced. Mm-hmm. Was the primary D and D that I played. I won Dungeons and Dragons completely, and it was advanced. But I moved on from that. Um, to the Palladium game series, oh, okay. which were all percentage-based because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the sure. RPG, but then came from there, Robotech. So there, there's a whole world of tabletop gaming. Um, that we can learn, and it's fun to learn how to write this stuff. Yeah, I mean, in different sets of rules, different ways. I mean, powered by the apocalypse. Yep, power, yep. One of the things about Palladium books back in the day, which I believe are out of print. I don't, I don't think those are published. I don't think anyone has that game system. Mm-hmm. But it had little things in it that I really dug. One of them was, so even though all of your rolls were percentile die based, um, so instead of a D20, you did, you know, D100. 98%, 80, you know. Um, but one of their biggest things that they really emphasize again and again is there's no 100%. Yeah. There's always a margin for error. There's always a chance that no matter how good you are, that you can miss that shot. You can roll that zero, zero, you know? one. And yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing about it is, is that um, that I would say creates a, that kind of inbuilt weakness, if you will, kind of um, creates a different design challenge. And that's why we would want to move on to other systems because they're going to give all kinds of challenges and, and different ways we need to approach things. Absolutely. Definitely... And the fourth pillar of play can apply to anything. Exactly. It's all the same stuff. Yep. You know, it's, just, it's the same, you know, the foundations are the same. I feel like how I brought that back to the title of the podcast. The, well, that's, yeah, yeah very good. That is the point, after all. It is. The fourth here. pillar. The yeah. fourth pillar. Exactly. So yes. you're probably 
right now listening to this podcast curled up with your fourth pillow. <laughs> which definitely completely the available fourth pillow of play to Patreon available to our Patreon <laughs> for sure. So. Um, make a note. Make yeah. a note. Make a note. Someone okay. take that down. Yeah. Um, so lastly, mm-hmm. uh, as, as we talked about, where that we're working towards, like building a whole, a whole. I don't want to use the word product. That's like really the one. I mean, yeah. I'm using the product not in the. Uh, commercial sense, right? But in the in the creative sense, like, yeah. like if you are writing a book, the book is your product. Yeah. Um, but we are looking to create a complete product, and I do feel I feel very strongly. I know that my personal ideas when it comes to writing and creating is that everything has to come from the story. Everything right. has to come story first. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're making the story, we might as well put it together into a world. Right. You know, like what's. Right. Like well, we can create a monster, sure, and give it very generic stats. Mm-hmm. But then, like, why not? How has that monster evolved or created for a specific world? And how is the world affected by that now monster being created? Right. It's cyclical. Right. Yeah. So we're going to create a world, Josh. Yeah. So welcome to fill in the blank. Yes, we do not. <laughs> we, we don't know what the name of the, our world is yet, do we? No, because we're discussing this today. It really depends on the at least we kind of feel, at least in part, the environment. What are we, welcome what are we, to the gothic horror realm of Twinkle Fairy. Well, I was thinking that might be a fae. Yeah. Right? Twinkle Fairy may fit better for a fae unless you're going for irony. That's... that's, that's Gothic is, you know, um, obviously some kind of, uh, you know, Eastern European sounding. Ah. Uh, but... We, Ibanovich. Ex- expectation, exactly. Expectations are meant to be broken. I guess exactly. Twinkle Fairy... I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we can workshop it, obviously. We've got down. a list of very, you know, a whole bunch of random names here. But again, we're mm-hmm. not married to any of them. Right. Um, so. And, you know, it, I almost wonder if the name should just come when the name comes. That's sort of what I'm thinking, yeah, too, as, I, as I'm laying this down. Yeah, as we're talking about, the name of the world comes when the let name of the world comes. Let that be part of the pillar, the fourth pillar of play. Let, let it design. Let, let it, it come from the design organically. Which is really... What we were just talking about. Absolutely. Is that it comes, we can't say we're going to call it, you know, Exandria, for example. Trademark. Trademark, for sure. That's all, that's, yeah, that's so, all critical role. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman created Ravenloft and first came up with the name or created Ravenloft and then were like, what's a good name for this? Ah, Ravenloft. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I mean, creativity can come from any direction. Maybe they sure. were just like, Ravenloft's a cool name, man. Let's write something for that. Yeah, let's come up with it. What is it? You know, who knows? But in our case, we'll just let it show up when it wants to mm-hmm. show up. Um, so yeah, we have a blank slate world. Yeah. Do you ever read The Magician's Nephew? Do you see my note? I'm familiar with it, of course. Okay, so like Chronicles of Narnia, lots of kids read it. Lots of kids read it, especially when they're in a fantasy. I read it when it was in a fantasy. Yeah. Um, the religious part kind of went over my head as a kid. Sure. Um, and I mean, it is technically optional. It is, you know, allegory is always optional. Mm-hmm. Um I know Tolkien wasn't a fan of his allegory, but <laughs> in any case, if you've read The Magician's Nephew, at the very beginning, um, some child, I don't remember. It's been a long the time. The Magician's Nephew. I believe it was The Magician's Nephew. I think you're actually correct. <laughs> a little on the nose, um, but it's fine. Ends up finding himself in a black void world with a piece 
Um, Can't you just imagine there was a time where there was so very little media to consume that somebody like put the book down and go, oh my God, that's the magician's nephew. <laughs> you know, it does suddenly hit Holy him. shit. Have you heard of the Have magician's heard, nephew? I don't want to ruin anything for you. Um, like some old meat. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil. No. Now, have you read Too this soon. thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Like it had to at some oh, point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But well, go ahead. In the so, opening of The Magician's Nephew, yeah. the the character that eventually becomes the White Witch mm-hmm. and the boy from England and ends up in a black void world. And Which think, boy from England? It's the, the Magician's Nephew. Oh. You ever heard of him? Does he turn in the magician for Turkish Delight? I don't think there's any Turkish Delight. This is, is that a movie this, thing? Yeah, this takes place Pre- in Turkish Narnian Delight. years, okay. eons before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Which is, okay, so that's In way London better. years. Right. Like a generation before Lion, the Witch, and okay. the Wardrobe. I think don't don't come at me with the with the corrections on my Narnia lore. Um, but in any case, yeah. uh, the White Witch attacks Aslan. She's scared of him. There's the lion. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm the lion Jesus. Right. And she like throws a bar from a lamppost that she broke off in London at him. And the lion starts singing, or maybe she throws it when he starts singing. Anyway, it's a black void world. The lion starts singing, and the world like spreads. From his singing, it's it's creation. Okay, you know, sure. It's ultimately creation, and like the lamp post from *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* grows from the seed of the broken piece of lamp post as he sings and creates the world. Wait. So, yeah. So I don't know anything about *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Oh, there's a lamp post in the middle of the forest that that's Lucy like Pevensey finds universe? when she goes through said wardrobe. Wardrobe. Okay. So she finds she goes to the wardrobe and finds herself in a magical winter wonderland. It's not actually nice because it's bad winter. Okay, so this was written in an opium like opium den? I don't think so. He was very religious. Not that that would preclude someone from being in an opium I, den, but okay. opium den. You're making the center of the world I in know. English. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, so, yes, it all so anyway, from the it, song. But I, what I like about that idea is that the the lamppost grew as the world was being created from something. That's the yeah. idea I'm coming at with the monsters in the world or the magic items in the sure. world. Like that lamppost is part of Narnia. If you're a Narnia fan, you're like, yeah, that lamppost in the middle of the snow. That's like, you see a lamppost in a snowy wilderness. Everyone's like, that's, that's Narnia. Okay. That's so is that, okay. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And that grew from the little piece and the, the world affected the lamppost, the lamppost affected the world. All right. Ultimately, is what I'm getting at here. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I totally understand. We got sure. there in a roundabout way, right? Well, it's a podcast. It is. So if we wanted to go direct. It'd be produced. Listen, we wouldn't be here if we didn't like listening to our own voices. Absolutely. <laughs> Who else is going to listen? Exactly. <laughs> um, so we have. I, I have some other blanks here, Josh, that we never filled in. Um, genre. Well, so I figured let's yeah. let's talk back and forth about. If if you could if you had your druthers yeah. and could make any you could like snap your fingers and any product comes whipping out of your imagination on the table in front of you, what genre would you want to play or create? Well, okay, so I definitely like I mean, you know it's funny because after we had spoken earlier on this, the more I thought about it, I was like I guess what I really prefer is a darker fantasy. Yes, it, it's just better. Go there with me. You know, for sure. The Dark more fantasy. I think about it, you know, I um. I don't doesn't like preclude be, you from doing fun things. No, it certainly doesn't. And actually sometimes can make the fun things better. Mm-hmm. Contrast. Yeah, exactly. In terms of storytelling, contrast is very important. Right. So um so I you know, I and we definitely been over this. I definitely love uh you know, a, a little bit of streak of anarchy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is 
you know, is it is it a bit cliche that there is an oppressive force? I will freely admit, of course it is, somewhat. Well, let's not lie. Right. Isn't 99% of everything we build on in Dungeons & Dragons sure. some sort of cliche? Well, because it's fantasy wish fulfillment. Do you know why they're cliches? Because people like them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm always, I always love the, there is a system in place, everybody knows it's broken, and people with power turn toward breaking that that uh that wouldn't be any real world wish for well, of course it is of into. course it is of course it is you know and i've told you all the time i love the idea of like the chosen warrior mm-hmm. who does you know that who fulfills the prophecy but along the way is like i can't put this status quo back in place right you know i love that i yeah. just love because i would love to be able to be you mm-hmm. know that warrior who goes and says, break the world yeah now fix it new yeah, exactly. I'll make it better for sure. So you're a dark <laughs> fantasy fan. So sure. I, I guess I'm I right there yeah, with you on dark fantasy. Yeah. So I think I think we have an accord. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, your big thing is you want oppressors to overthrow. You want yeah. a broken system that needs to be done away with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So some rebellion, some anarchy, some oppression. Yeah. Me personally, a big fan of ancient mysteries. Mm-hmm. Big fan. I want to like find like ancient leviathan statues buried in a jungle and no one knows where they came from or the like, knowledge of them oppressed or the knowledge or the, the knowledge has been oppressed yeah. oh we're Hidden already away. doing it yeah do you feel yourself teetering on that fourth pillar right now absolutely <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just up there yeah. like, well i mean because you know you know yeah something has been taken from people you know knowledge knowledge Memories. power all kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah for sure so that's what i want i want i want a world where there's secrets to uncover mm-hmm. um and histories to uncover and 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 mysteries to discover and, and unravel, right. all while undoing an oppressive force and rising right. up against or, or, tyranny. Or you know, at least having something kind of an overarching thing you always have to consider. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know whatever it is. So, yeah, I think I don't think the, I think those two things go together really well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think and then, you know the last thing I think just because of who you and I are. Right. We're going to, I love this. I, we want to create a world of our own fantasy and imagination. So we want to like fix the things we don't like about our world, even right. though we're going to throw in things like oppressors and ancient mysteries and horrors right. and monsters. Yeah. But let's make our monsters easily defeatable. So I'm very much of the avoiding, you know, the isms, you know, okay. racism, oh, sexism, thousand percent. all those, homophobia, transphobia, mm-hmm. those things have no place in any game at my table. Nope. So I don't see any reason to incorporate them, and that's a you know that into a game. Yeah, that's a table to up and walk out of. Exactly. You know, and that was always when there was you know various types of fanboys who got all upset. Mm-hmm. You know, at the idea of well, we have to get you know dark elves are they're hated, they're all evil. You know, it's like, but nobody played that way. If you wanted to play a dark elf, every dark elf was Stritz. Yeah. You know, nobody. I, I can't imagine sitting at a table where somebody is comfortable being a racist tavern owner who wants to kick somebody out. Yeah. Exactly. Um. You know, I'm sure people. Oh wait, I'm sure they exist. Oh, absolutely. But they're not here. But they're not here, and we're not not writing. We're not writing for them, and they're certainly not, frankly, not welcome. It's it's not the kind of discourse we're looking for. Exactly. Um, That's not to say that we would shy away from, if done correctly. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime bad stuff happens in the game, it's done by the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. So the Danny Trejo protocol. Exactly. Danny Trejo will only play villains who get their comeuppance. Right. Go back and watch. He always gets arrested or killed. Tortuga. 
he will only right like yeah. that is that and that's and that that would be our policy if something terrible were to be integrated mm-hmm. um it's to make an example of how terrible right. that is <laughs> um so those yeah. are definitely going to be things that are but that they'll are, generally be avoided exactly we are we're looking to create a a world a world where any player sits down at it and is not immediately attacked at something that might be a core part of who they right. are. And we're definitely believers in, well, tell me if this is triggering you. Okay. Does yeah. this upset you? Yep. Um, S- you basic know. safety tools. Right. So, so and we'll, I, I think in the back of our mind, that type of stuff may be there in the designing process because sensitivity to the players is obviously going to be a part of it. That's one of the things I really, you know, statement on... Obviously, we are. We mentioned Syracuse, New York. We are American, yep. and not to state that all stuff is American centric and by any stretch. God, I wish it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But the uh, just recently, there was the um, Dungeons of Drakenheim book yep. that came out by the Dungeon Dudes, um, and that was kickstarted. I got my copy of that, of course, because again, I have way too many RPG books. Yeah, and I love that the they have a content warning in the beginning, and they say, "Hey, this contains murder, mayhem." mass death, body horror, but it doesn't contain racism, sexism, sexual content, homophobia, or transphobia. Mm-hmm. Like what we consider acceptable horrors. Right. As opposed to what we consider not acceptable horrors. And I always come into it like, if they're horrors that I would find in the real world on a daily basis, which unfortunately sometimes those we do. Right. I don't want them in my fantasy. Sure. So, I mean, it's escapism. Yeah, exactly. And you is, have to I'm, I'm trying to escape it. racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia on a pretty much daily basis. So, sure. Um, those are the isms I would like to avoid. Though, absolutely. And it also kind of brings me back to, you know, to make one more comment about role play is um, you're not locked at a table. As long as we're talking about isms, I just want to quickly say you're not locked at a table. If you sit down at a table and people are talking in this particular way, get up and go. Exactly. If, if you don't, if someone tries to tell you, you know, you get a negative two to your strength because you're playing a female character. Yeah, you're right. That, that stand leave. up and walk out. If you want to leave, go. <laughs> Seriously, for sure. Because unlike several things, you know, those, there's no such thing as bad pizza, but there is such a thing as bad D and D. And and I've heard, I think it was Mike Shea on what the podcast of his, the Sly Flourish podcast, yeah. who says that. No D&D is better than bad D&D. And I, I agree with that. Yeah, I would so agree. So don't suffer through that. Go find some other players. There, mm-hmm. are, there are people out there who will play and not yeah. make you miserable while you're doing it. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's too much fun. It's too much fun it's, to make it not fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's too much fun. If you're not having fun, walk away. Yep. Um, somebody, it, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so yeah, that, all again, our visitors from episode 402. Yeah, exactly. That Thanks is, for hanging in there with us. Our our whole spiel. That's right. our that's our beginning to end. Hey, what is the fourth pillar of play? Um, this is episode double zero. So with our first episode, we'll be jumping right into our first elements of game design. Um, we'll be starting with monsters. Yeah, and um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be yeah. super exciting, and we are glad that you are here to go along on this journey with us. Absolutely. And, and thanks for sticking with the double zero this long. Exactly. I know, right? I, I know are, you were riveted. We, I know you don't realize how much time has passed. What do we clock? 37 on? minutes. I that think is, that's an acceptable double zero time. I agree. I agree. So, All right, guys. Just think about it, everyone. You could have been here for two hours. That was the last time I'll say guys. I, I don't want to say I, guys. Uh, yeah, I apologize. I'll try to fix that. Yeah, well. I don't like to say guys. Everyone. All right, everyone. Friends. So, yes, friends. All right, friends. All right, friends. We're done. Yes, thank you so much for joining we'll us. We'll see we, you next week. Can't wait to see you.